0: And you're really welcome to this special edition of Early Childhood Ireland's podcast. I'm Maura Corbett, and I work with Early Childhood Ireland. As we approach a new academic year with new children and families starting, we said we'd have a chat with Pobble about some of the most common issues that you, our members, have raised with our early years employer service about the NCS and CCSP schemes. We thought that this might also give a quick refresh on the simplest way to get the job of registrations done. So I'd like to thank Jill Courtney for coming on to take us through some of these queries. Jill is a coordinator in the Early Years Provider Centre with a particular focus on the NCS and CCSP scheme. So I'd say she lives, sleeps and breathes the scheme. So Jill, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks a million for having me, Moira, and giving me the opportunity to go through this today. And yeah, you're right. Eat, breathe, sleep, nightmares—the works.
0: lot, <laughs> <laughs> along with a lot of the providers, I'd imagine. So, <laughs> um, so one of the, the the queries we get is about draft claims. How does a child end up in past? And what if a provider can't find a child uh, under either current or or past? Sure. So
1: this is a really common issue. Um, a child can end up in past if their claim hasn't been fully input. So basically, if the system can't find a current claim for them, it files them into past. Um, and a, a claim has three really essential items that need to be completed to be submitted properly. We call them the Holy Trinity in public. um And those three things are the start and end date, the claimed errors, and then the submit button. And the impact of missing one of those steps when inputting the claim is that the claim will go into past. Um, And there's two different ways that it can really happen. So if the start and end date have been submitted, but the user hasn't added any claimed hours, the impact of that is no weeks generate. um, And so there's nothing that you can actually fix. We call it a blank claim. And to fix this, the claim needs to be ended. And then starting from the start, we submit it again using the add weeks function. If you have put in the start and end dates and then you have put in a number in the claimed error box, but haven't hit the submit button. um, What happens then is again, the claim goes into draft and to fix this, the user needs to go into the claim. You need to use the view and edit weeks option this time rather than add weeks and then fully submit the claim by hitting on that submit button to get it fully input. Um, So those are the kind of three main things to, to stop it from going into past. The other thing that may have happened if you're looking in current and you're looking in past and there's no sign of a child and you're certain that they've been registered in your service before, there is also an archive um, that exists on Hive. Um, And what that's for is users can choose to manually archive a child themselves if they want to remove them from their portal completely. But there is also an auto archive function that will automatically archive a registration where there are no active claims and it hasn't been touched or edited in over two months. When it goes into archive, you won't see it in current and you won't see it in past. And once it's archived, it's an administrator process to unarchive. So what we would ask is if you're finding that you can't locate a child in current or past and give us a call and we can check your your archive for your service. And what we can do then is we can move the child out of your archive so they'll be viewable on your Hive again. Um, And we can help you, you know, if you need to unarchive or if you need to archive, just give us a call at the Early Years Provider Centre where you can raise a case and we can do the same thing.
0: So moving on then to um, non-term hours, Um, how do I know a child's entitlement for non-term hours and how do I input these on Hive?
1: Okay, so I might just take this in two stages um, and just talk around the entitlement and then how to input it. Sure. Um, So first of all, just um, around the entitlement, the entitlement is really dependent on whether the child is entitled to standard or enhanced hours and then also by their education stage. Um, So a child is eligible for standard hours, usually where their parents are not working or studying, and then enhanced hours are available where the parent is working or studying, transitioning between both or otherwise unavailable to care for the child. And essentially, just to simplify it, the child if the child is entitled to standard hours their maximum hours between any education program that they're on and the hours provided under NCS is always a max of 20 and for enhanced it's always a max of 45 so just to use an example to illustrate that if a child is getting 23 hours in school so i think that's a junior senior infants is their education stage and they are entitled to enhanced hours that means they will be entitled to an additional 22 hours to bring them up to the maximum of 45 under NCS because they're enhanced. And what happens is during times when they're not in school, so they're not getting those 23 hours in school, um, there are an additional 23 non term hours available on the chick that they can claim to bring them up to that max, that 45 hours that's allowable under enhanced. Um, it's the same pretty much then in the opposite way for 20 hours for standard. There's really good tables that are that kind of illustrate this on page 32 of the policy guidelines, if anyone is a guideline nerd like myself. Um, and then, so moving on to how you would input them. So non-term errors always need to be input separately to the normal claimed errors, as there is a separate allowance for these. And there's also a counter built in for the number of non-term weeks that have been used in a registration. So for example, if a child is ECCE aged and has an enhanced entitlement. During term time, they get a basic level of 30 hours from NCS, and they get the 15 from ECCE, bringing them up to the max of 45 that we discussed under enhanced hours. However, in non-term times, their 15 hours from ECCE are no longer available. So they're entitled to a further 15 hours on NCS under the non-term part of the claim, and to input this, they put thirty hours as normal into the claimed hours section, and then right beside that, there's another box that says non-term hours, and you would put the fifteen hours in there, and that will ensure that the total of forty-five to hours are
0: paid if they are required. And you said that table is on page, page thirty-two of the guidelines. Yeah, yeah, I saw that table, and it does look like it's a, a useful one to to refer to. So. Um, uh, just to remember that one page page yeah.
1: 32 it's definitely handy when you're trying to keep track of what are they entitled to in first class junior infants sixth class I don't remember
0: <laughs> yes yeah yeah and and you wouldn't always know the hours I think the 15 for ECC is very clear but sometimes in school terms um, uh, you don't necessarily know and these would apply through midterm um, and so on as well as like summer holidays yeah
1: Exactly yeah there's a maximum cap on the number of non-term weeks that can be put in um, and that's also on the table but it usually is capturing all of the weeks that would be mid-term weeks plus the summer holidays and um, that total number of weeks will be allowed to be input as non-term weeks.
0: Okay okay that's good to know. Okay so um As we mentioned, the the summer and um, uh, another query that we get relates to calendars and closures. So if a setting is closed for the summer, do they need to put in individual closure days for every day of their closure?
1: Okay, so at the moment, there's no option to submit a period of closures on NCS. So that would mean that each closure needs to be submitted individually. Um, however, if a service is closed for the summer and they're not reopening until the start of the new term, What you can do is you can adjust the end date on your 2020 calendar to reflect that they have closed for the term so for example you're going into your calendar you're hitting edit and you're changing the end date to say you closed the last week in june the 26th of june or 28th of june whatever it was you can input that as the end date of your calendar and then you don't need to put in an individual subsidized closure for every day between then and when you reopen in august New calendar will be active from the 23rd of August 2021, and that any start date can be put in for from that time or onwards, depending on when they are reopening. Um, one thing that's actually important to mention, I think, is um at this time of year, NCS registrations can roll between two calendars. So, for example, if you have um a child who is coming to you in September 2021 and their chick is valid from September 2021. That check is generally valid for 52 weeks, so it will be valid until September 2022. And what we have seen is some providers experience issues because the last few weeks on that um, on that check, so say the first couple of weeks in September 2022, they can't claim because they haven't set up an NCS 2022 calendar. So they, the the um, system can't find any corresponding calendar for the period at the end of that check that they're trying to claim for. So I would say. And um, it's, I suppose, good timing to think about the NCS 2022 calendar. I know it seems very far away, but it just means that when you are putting in registrations from September onwards, that there won't be any issues um, in, in creating those registrations as the calendar will be there for the system to read.
0: So setting up the 2022 calendar in advance of uh, new registrations would save time. Exactly. Yes. Yeah.
1: Because if you have
0: children who
1: have chicks that are valid from September um, to next year's September and you're trying to put them in for the whole year, that can only be done if next year's calendar is also set up.
0: Okay, okay. So then on returns, um, Jill, I'm seeing an error message in my returns. How can I fix it?
1: So if there is an error in your return and it's not rectified before submitting the return, what I will say is the error becomes irreversible and the week can be lost for payment then, depending on what the error is. So we would always say, do not submit your return when you're seeing an error message in it and um, contact us at EYPC or submit a case via Hive and we'll be happy to assist you in getting this rectified. Um, but I suppose in terms of the types of error messages that come, that, uh, come up, I had a look on the system before we had this chat today, just to see kind of what the top three error messages that we experience are that that the providers will see on their end. Um, So the most common ones we see are claim is in draft stage. Um, Then we see award week not found being the second most common. And then uh, some version of the errors exceed the maximum available as being the third error message we see most frequently on Hive. so just to kind of go through those and, and, and how they're fixed, I know we talked earlier about the claim being in draft stage. Um, so this can be fixed by going in to edit the claim and fully submitting it. Um, if the error message you're getting is award week not found, uh, what that means is the chick is no longer active. This can mean that it's either expired at its normal expiration date. and um, If that's the case, you will have normally gotten a notification or more frequently that the parents have cancelled it unexpectedly. Um, a new chick is required in this situation and all claims on the old chick should be ended just to, to keep, um keep, I suppose, a neat end date for the old chick, then going into the new period on the new chick. Um, if a return is stating that the errors claimed are above the maximum, there's a couple of reasons how this could happen. So it could be that there are other claims for the child in another service, most common, I suppose, if the child is new to your service, the old service may not have ended the claim um, before the child transferred. Potentially, it could be that non term errors were added into the claimed errors field rather than the separate non term errors field. So, for example, if the child is receiving 30 errors and then they get 15 non term errors, that you put 45 in the claimed errors field rather than separating them out into the 30 and 15 into the two separate fields. Um, And then the third option would be maybe that you're still claiming errors on an old invalid chick for the child and you need to end the old claim. So if you have a, a claim for 20 hours for a child and that chick ends and you start getting the award week not found message in your returns, the parent gives you a new chick and you haven't ended the previous claim the old claim will continue to block you from adding more errors until it's ended. So you'll just need to end the old claim and add the new claim with the new check on. And again, if you're not sure on which of these options are applying to you, just get in touch with us UIPC either either over the phone or in a case and we'll be happy
0: to help. And then I suppose coming near the end, sometimes... I know it's the parents, um, uh, the parents' responsibility or role or whatever to um, to register and get the check and and so on. But sometimes parents mightn't be quite sure what to do or if they um, they get a, a message and they're not sure what to do. Sometimes they do go to providers who obviously want to help parents all they can. So. One query that we've got is that a parent wants to um, apply for the NCS, but doesn't have uh, mygov.ie. Is there anything that that parent can can do? Uh,
1: Yeah. So I suppose if a parent doesn't have a mygov ID, they can apply for a paper application form by contacting the parent center. Um, If there are literacy issues with completing a paper application form, the local CCC will also be able to help the parent. Um, And I suppose when when talking about paper application, just so everybody is aware, there are a couple of implications when when completing a paper application. So there are longer timeframes to assess the eligibility and issue the chick. Um, it's obviously a little bit slower when you're posting things back and forth rather than getting it through the portal, but it just means it takes a little bit longer. It also means that a paper parental confirmation is issued. I know ourselves, we've had a couple of questions from providers on that and in what way the confirmation is issued. So a letter actually goes out to the parent saying your provider has registered X number of hours. Please sign and date this letter and return it to us if you wish to confirm these errors. And what we do on the back end then is we will update the portal to say that the parent confirmation has been approved. So again, that can take a little bit longer between the posting out and returning, and then us updating the portal on our end. Then the last thing with the paper application is the parents are given eight weeks notice of their renewal rather than the six that are given on the portal. So they should get a letter out eight weeks before a chick is due to end saying, it's time to renew your chick and this is the process. Um, and I suppose just while I'm talking a little bit on renewals, uh, it's something that's come up on our end. And I'm aware that some parents have received a notification of a renewal and opened their portal to create a new application. Um, the impact of creating a new application in that case is that the old application is cancelled at the end of the current week. Um, I think a lot of parents aren't aware of this and it causes issues for providers, of course, um, who find them when they're doing the returns the next week that they're getting that award week not found message in their returns. Um, so I suppose if there's ever any parents who are either listening to the podcast or if they're providers who are being asked around renewals, um, if a parent wishes to renew an application, they should open their current application and there's a, a refresh symbol. You know, it's like the... The arrow in a circle kind of symbol, and um, that's beside their existing application, and that will ensure that they go the renewal process rather than hitting create new or add child or anything like that. The renewal process is is, is a one button, so it should be fairly straightforward.
0: Okay, so again, that's one that providers might find useful if they have a newsletter or mm-hmm. are emailing parents about the start of the year, or whatever to remind them that the renewal process is simpler than they might imagine. And that will save everybody grief down the road.
1: Definitely.
0: And saving people grief is uh, the name of the game, really. So, Jill, um, thanks for taking us through those those queries. I, I hope those help settings with issues that they um, might have encountered and uh, even better still, that it might preempt some of the, the difficulties at this really hectic time of the year. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add or do you think you've covered everything
1: i think i've covered everything um, thanks mel for having me on and just best of luck for everyone for the new program year hopefully it goes smoothly
0: hopefully so jill thanks for joining us today and uh thanks to your you, listeners for uh tuning into this special episode of early childhood ireland's podcast and we look forward to being back with a great schedule of guests in september Music.